my name is Rob Cutforth, and this is The End of All Things. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, did you miss me? <laughs> uh, you didn't even notice I was gone. I was at this uh, literature event last night, organized by Fat Roland, podcast number two, uh, put on by Jim Hinks at the British Council, podcast number six, and uh, it happened to have free wine. So I'm a bit out of sorts today, but uh, the old BBC saying, I suppose, is that uh, you always sound better on the radio when you're hungover. I think I just sound more like a person who speaks directly through their nose. But um, I'll let you decide. I was, uh, the reason I'm in the state I'm in now is because I was really nervous going to this event, really, this British, did I already say it was a British Council? British Council. Um, I was kind of invited last minute, and it was meant to be some sort of networking thing, and I'm not very good at that sort of business, so I tend to have a drink beforehand, and this time I decided to choose a very strong Mexican beer. And uh, and then decided to pound the wine once I got in there. But um, when I opened the door and realized that I knew absolutely everyone in there already, I relaxed, but by that time it was too late. And I probably decided to make a fool of myself. This, by the way, in case... Well, I'm not in case I haven't told you. Of course I haven't told you. I've just started this. Started back up with the podcast. Um, I'm trying... I finished my MA now. Uh, that's why I've, I've been missing for a while. I've submitted my dissertation, which is a, a novel, basically. So, in case you haven't noticed, really, the in- interview questions I've been asking uh, the guests have circled around improving your writing and stuff, simply because that's what I needed at the time. It's not just for you. For you. Um, I mean, it's, it's my podcast. I'll do whatever I want. And uh, <laughs> I don't have to explain myself to you, um, but I will anyway. I, I'm i now trying to get it published. So you're going to see the questions change a little bit from um, how to improve your writing to how do I now take the thing I, I've written and get it published, really. So that was the reason for I went to this event. And there is a reason I haven't been published besides the fact that I think, you know, perhaps my book, my writing isn't good enough, but we'll just pretend that that's not a thing, and it, and that uh, it's because of things I do. And the British Council is the event was no exception really. Uh, first thing I did when I got there, half pissed, was point at Sarah Jane Roberts from the Manchester Literature Festival and say, "I know you," um, which is a, a thing I do when I'm half in the bag, which is really annoying and doesn't and not very helpful at all, considering. I get my best guests via their literature festival. Um, and then, you know, I thought it was really cool to spill wine on Steve Dearden, who, podcast number 12, and uh, stop Raw Page, who's the publisher of Comma Press from leaving, just so I could say hi to him <clears throat> for a second time. So, yeah, I'm not very, I am definitely my own worst enemy when it comes to hanging out with industry people why was I even talking about that oh god I just remembered 
another thing I did. There's an agent in the room that I was speaking to. And as she was leaving, I shouted across the room, I'll send you something next week. Like some sort of <laughs> international playboy. Oh my God. What a douche. All it was missing was a wink and like double finger guns while I was at it. Uh, anyway, free wine events are my Waterloo. Uh, quickly moving on. Ooh, there's some wind. I hope you... Not me. The outdoors. I'm outdoors. It's a sunny Manchester day, believe it or not. It's spring and I'm back uh, outside recording. I don't know if you could hear. There's uh, some skateboarders uh, going up and down the road doing ollies. I guess that's the term. I used to be more in tune with that sort of business. But I'm old now. And uh, like most old people, I look at skateboarders and think, why? Why are you doing that? I am digressing. So basically, the podcast is now being, it's going to help, try to help people get published. That is why you are getting three podcasts. I don't think I've even mentioned that yet. You're getting three in a row. You're getting one today, which is Monday, and then you're getting one tomorrow, which is Tuesday, and then you're getting another one the following day, which is Wednesday. And all three of them are independent publishers from the Northwest uh, as part of my rapid-fire indie publishing extravaganza. Uh, well, because there are going to be three at once, you're not going to get any outros. You're going to—I was going to say mini podcast episodes, but the interviews actually ended up being almost as long as the ones I do with writers. So they're not mini, I suppose, but there's three of them. And uh, yeah, once these are, once you've listened to these, I, I'm back speaking with writers again. In the next podcast, I will be talking to Rob Page from earlier in this intro uh, from Comma Press, which I think is probably the most established independent publisher in the north of England. I know that's a silly thing to say. I've not Googled it. I had all kinds of great notes that I was uh, going to talk about, but I've lost them. So I'm kind of winging, winging it. Or as they say in Manchester, winging it. I just made that up as well. I'm pretty sure it's true. They're, if they're not the big, if they're not the most established, they must be up there. They're in the top twenty at least. <laughs> uh, if you're really bothered about it, just Google it. They've been around since 2003, which is way, way before the whole indie press thing blew up. What I'm trying to say is that they've been here a long time, and that they've and they have actual offices and a paid staff. You know what a novelty. Uh, after that, on Wednesday, I talked to Tom Kuehl, who's the co-founder of a publisher called Dodo Inc. I suppose it's cheating to say they're based in the Northwest, considering most of the people associated with it live in London. Um, but Tom lives here, so as far as I'm concerned, that counts. Tom, incidentally, kisses me right on my face. You may have seen the image uh, that I posted online. Or maybe you didn't. I don't care. But those are later. In this podcast... I talked to Nathan from Dead Ink Publishing, based in Liverpool. I think it's fair to say that he is transitioning from teeny tiny to more established, uh, thanks to a, a sizable, I was going to say fuck ton, but it's not quite a fuck ton, a, definite, a sizable chunk of money from the Arts Council. And um, he's, you know, pretty soon he'll be a corporate monolith. That's not true. 
I only said that just because I know it would annoy the piss out of Nathan. And uh, I'm that kind of guy, really. Dead Ink have been a pretty good pal to this podcast. Oh, here come the skateboarders. And they're the, actually, they're going. You know, I really tried to be a young person, or at least uh, be nice about them. But I, it is, as soon as you turn 40, that thought, that just, that thought of, you're too old to be on a skateboard, just jumps into your head. It's, I need to shove that thought back into the corner of my brain where it belongs. Uh, what was I talking about? Nathan and Dead Inc. They, um, and friends of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was talking about. They provided me with my most popular interview, S.J. Bradley, and uh, loads of advice on how I myself can go for some Arts Council funding for the podcast. Uh, plus, Nathan's just been really nice, and that goes a long way in this business. He was also responsible for getting me into that British Council meeting last night, and he's, he put me up for the Saboteur Award. That's why he gets to go first in this three-part rapid-fire indie press extravaganza. Anyway... I think we actually talk about the Arts Council bid in the interview, but because I recorded it a couple months ago, I can't remember. Yeah, we did. I'm sure we did. Side note, I do say Sarah Bradley in this interview when we talk about her, because SJ just sounds weird to me. Um, So sorry, Sarah. I mean SJ. Nathan and I talk about SJ's new book that they are publishing along with, and I can't remember the actual number. They're doing it in threes. Uh, I think it's around 600 books this year. Uh, it's not that many. Dead Ink are properly exciting publisher at the minute. Uh, not just because of the huge number of books they're producing. It's actually, I, th- I just remembered how much it, how many it is. Nine. And for a one-man show, that is quite a lot, I think. Uh, or is it, oh, I shouldn't say one-man show, because I know his, I just found out his girlfriend works there, and I think some might even have some other people. I, you know what? This podcasting hungover thing is not a good idea. Fuck you, BBC. You shouldn't have told me that. They're also... One of the books that they're publishing has is up for an award before it was even published, which I'm not... I don't exactly know how that works. But uh, Saboteur Awards, of which I was, as I mentioned, long-listed for last year, <laughs> uh, they have been shortlisted for Best Novella, and that's Jen Ashworth and Richard Hurst's book, The Night Visitors. Uh, that looks ace, and uh, Jen and Richard are going to be on this podcast later in the year as well, if as long as I don't say anything too mean about them in the meantime and destroy our friendship, which I have done before. Not with her, but other people. I had uh, half a mind to delay this podcast episode, actually, until I found out if they'd won. But hey, it's already been about you know like a century and a half since the last podcast, so I thought I'd better... Just get on with it, really. So I am going to stop yammering on now. Here's Nathan from Dead Ink. Listen. Okay, so Dead Ink is a, an indie press. Um, we're based in Liverpool now, but we have been based in Manchester for the past, past while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we publish literary fiction... Um, from mainly new, uh, what we term new and emerging authors. So mainly okay. debut authors is our kind of focus. Um, and we've just received quite a large bit of Arts Council funding to um, to grow that and kind of be a bit more ambitious with that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is also kind of tied into the fact that we're part of this Northern Fiction Alliance now as well. Okay. So uh, kind of representing the North as a, um, I think the term is a center of excellence. For, oh for, God, for that makes that phrase just makes my heart <laughs> die. But anyway, I'm sure it means something to someone. There's a form somewhere that's just been ticked. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> nice work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're yeah. This we're, is why I don't have publishers on very often. No. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of the basis that we are. Um, we're, we're I think we're doing quite well. We're, yeah. We are growing. Uh, we're part of Impress Books, who represent us to the trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have some we have some authors who've been on your show before. Some mm-hmm. like some well-known or maybe getting well-known authors mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we've got SJ Bradley I think it's the one that came to mind. yeah you've had I, I keep saying Sarah and she gives me <laughs> she gives me shit and says no there's another Sarah Bradley you have to call me SJ Bradley and I said okay yeah, oh yeah we got specific notes on, mm-hmm. on that yeah. um, SJ is fantastic I think you've already had her haven't you mm-hmm. yeah. yep yeah she's really good um, she's my p- most popular podcast she has an amazing following that just she's cultivated entirely by yeah. herself I know She's a force. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, with her last book, most of them that we sold were sold by her. Yeah. So <laughs> buying them and then just going around to all the things she does. Uh, she never seems to stop. Brilliant. She's always running her own her own things. That's uh, music to an indie, indie publisher's ears, I'd have thought. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that. She's, you're publishing her second book, mm-hmm. aren't you? Well, she's not a debut author anymore. What's You're breaking your own rule. Well, it's not a rule. It's, it's a... Um, <laughs> There's no rules in indie <laughs> yeah, publishing. I'll do what I want. Um, but, yeah, we're not sticking solely to, to debuts, um, but that's kind of our core okay. activity, um, as the Arts Council will put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, we, we kind of have this idea of publishing people's debut and them kind of staying with us and it being a sort of long-term thing. And we, uh, the whole idea behind this, this recent funding is to kind of set us up as a sort of long-term thing for a lot of these authors. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're we're developing their career. We're not just publishing their book. We're kind of setting them off to kind of uh, be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Do you, because you've you've got that big arts council money? Because I, I, I don't know how it works. Do does that not the hamstrings not the word? But do they have some kind of stake in your business now? Like do they give you? Do they say oh you have to do it this way or that way? No, only only this, the terms are only attached to the the money mm-hmm. uh, to the funding okay um, so you know we can't I can't turn around and do something completely different yeah with that money but outside of that funding I can I'm as free mm-hmm. as I ever was there's no no uh, ties to that okay what um, what do you guys have you mentioned well we've already talked about SJ's I can't call her SJ it's just weird <laughs> yes SJ Bradley's book what else have you got coming out that we should we know? have um, as part of this funding nine novels coming out Mm-hmm. in mm. the next 12 which is in 12 months in yeah in the next 12 months um, and it's only just starting to hit me how much work I've got ahead of me <laughs> as wow. I get through the first three okay um, so we have a new um, a whole lot of new branding coming which mm-hmm. has been done by a, a creative agency wow um, oh god a, I know That's yeah. a, see the people that you deal with on a daily basis just make my <laughs> skin crawl but <laughs> um, I could never do what you yeah. do. <laughs> Design agencies and rights people. Go on. Well, we, we've got a. Along with that, they've got a new site coming, and they're very nice. I'll, I'm yes, going to mention sure they're they very are. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're very good. Um, and we've got a new new website coming, which will have our own crowdfunding platform. Okay. In it, um, 
so we will be all of the novels um, as part of this bit is part of what we ran previously is publishing publishing the underground mm-hmm. um, and this is an expansion of that uh, where we'll crowdfund them three three novels at a time mm-hmm. um, and the idea behind that is to kind of minimise some of the risk because these are mainly new authors and yep. they're publishing strange books um, <laughs> and also to kind of doing them three at a time so we're not just kind of putting one author up there and kind of being like you know you're on your own mm-hmm. fund your book it's kind of a collaborative effort between everyone supporting each other um, what does a person who donates to that crowdfunding thing get um, you can have whatever you want right. how much money <laughs> you give yeah. um, but it starts off sort of you get the book obviously yeah so there's there must the book um, we can have the paperback with mm-hmm. sort of your name in it or you can have the you know the hardback with your name in it or you can have all three hardbacks with your name in it an indie publisher so doing hardbacks we the la- our last lot of books we did hardbacks because I decided um, that's because no one else is doing it no anymore. one else is doing it and yeah. I love hardbacks and yeah. we kind of they're not too expensive we keep the price down on them um, but they are kind of I think if you're buying an indie's book it may as well be a good looking book and mm-hmm. um, and it's not just that they're hardbacks, but we we work with a sort of an illustrator or a designer on each book to kind of give it a bespoke cover, which is kind of quite uh, well. Every book has a bespoke cover, but uh, I wasn't going to say. <laughs> but um, maybe we we invest a little more time and focus and so. So you're not going to do like a penguin thing where they all have like an orange top or something. No, I I, I like the kind of brutalism of that, but um, yeah, uh, I do too. Yeah, but I think when it comes to the kind of the hardbacks with this kind of you know your own laminated sort of cover mm-hmm. um, they feel like great things and, and yeah. we just each one has a kind of independent piece of artwork on it which um, and the ones the artists we've commissioned for these next lot of books look amazing like, mm. so I think as well as us supporting kind of emerging authors we're kind of trying to support emerging artists wow. as well okay. kind of that's great tie that all together what in your mind then makes a good novel that's a um, big question I know I thought I thought I'd wait until you finished half of your beer before yeah. I ask you that after when I've topped it up yeah slip this one that's in. right <laughs> um, it's a yeah go on I, I, there's kind of a lot of um, let me rephrase it what would make a what novel would you publish like if somebody like say a new writer uh, submitted. Do you take submissions first of all? Yeah, we do. We okay. Do. Um, so what? Is, how, what would convince you to take something off the slush pile and turn that into a book? There's a lot of reasons why books don't get past the slush pile, which are kind of um, sort of negative reasons, I guess. But I guess you're positive reasons. No, go on. But I'll take both. There's plenty. You know, if we have um, sort of a submissions call out for a specific thing, mm-hmm. um, plenty of times. About half the submissions, people won't have even looked at the submissions. Looked at they what just, it is yeah, they just chucked their book at things. Yeah, yeah. Um, or it's kind of it's clear that they haven't really looked at who we are and what kind of might fit in. Um, so, how, what would fit in then? Um, well, we we'll get sent things like um, memoirs, which mm. um, I'm not going to say we'll never publish a memoir, but. It's very unlikely. It's not something I read myself, so no, I, I don't neither. know what would motivate me to to publish one. Okay, um, so number one, it's got to be fiction. Yeah, yeah. Or we'll get sense YA, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm not 
you know, I'm open to publishing genre and have published genre, but I don't think YA is something that's quite specific, and I don't, I don't have any kind of background or skills in no, YA. No, I don't even know me... what it is really. It's is it just like a, a regular novel with the sexy, shooty bits taken out? I don't, I don't know because I, I only know it by what I don't like. So yeah. I, I'm probably going to offend someone. If I, I know, and I think I've just done that as well because I've got quite a few YA writers that listen to this. Anyway, I'm sure it's great. Sorry. Um, but yeah, we'll get sent quite a lot of mm-hmm. YA, and um, you know, a, a question I've been asked a few times is like, oh well, would you would you publish kind of Harry Potter if someone sent it? Yeah, I hate that question. And I'm not, yeah, and I say no, and they're all like, oh, what do you mean you won't publish yeah. Harry Potter? And he said, like, well, it, it would have been shit if I mm-hmm. published it. It wouldn't. Have, can I swear? Of course you can. Um, oh yeah, you swear. Highly all encouraged. The time. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Encouraged. I would have messed it up. It would have, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it wouldn't, I no love how he just asked me if he could swear and then you didn't. That's yeah. the most English thing ever. Can I swear? <laughs> no, I just messed it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's just no reason why we would ever publish something like that. Um, and if we did publish something like that, I think we'd be making the wrong decision and we wouldn't be doing right by the author in the first place. Um, so you have to kind of look at what we are publishing and then... Um, but it's difficult when you publish such varied, crazy books. Yeah. Say, yeah. Oh, mine doesn't fit <laughs> with that, or does. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. guess the other. I guess the. Okay, you think that question was big? I've got an even <laughs> bigger one. What is literary fiction? Um, I hate this question. I know. So part of the reason it is why a shit question, <laughs> but it's only because I'm trying to nail yeah. down what you well, what I, you're I've, looking for. I've purposely made it hard for people kind of looking what we do publish because I've tried to not nail it down too mm. much because I don't want to kind of discount something which the, um, we've just had an, an amazing book which we've just signed uh, which I think if I'd written that out what we want it would have pro- probably never been sent to us um, and I'm really glad it has been mm-hmm. um, would the it, would someone who sent it around to a lot of places other places like bigger publishers that and was refused but perhaps got some interest but would that be something like in a cover letter? Uh, the reason I ask you these questions is because this uh, podcast is largely geared towards new writers. Mm-hmm. So if they had sent it around to other, like, say, more established uh, publishers, not more established, that's not a very nice thing to say, <laughs> big ones. <laughs> yeah. More profitable. And they, were, yeah, and, they, and they were turned down or whatever for, for whatever reasons. Yeah. Other than, they, obviously, if the book's shit, that's... You're not going to publish that. But if, they, if it was first reading, I think I think uh, Sarah brought something up about when she in this interview saying that she didn't get, she sent it around and got loads of good comments, hmm. but it was just it's not for us because of yeah. A, B, C, or D. Um, yeah, I think. Well, why wouldn't you, if it's a good comment? Why wouldn't why wouldn't you put it in? Mm-hmm. Um, don't put in. You know, it was read by Harper Collins. Yeah, uh, <laughs> rejected. Um, but if you've got a good, if someone's giving you that feedback, use it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would um, it's not easy selling a book so use whatever is kind of at your disposal mm-hmm. um, yeah absolutely use it yeah. um, and if you I, meet Martin Amos in a bar just get him drunk and then yeah. just get him to say something on tape can I have a jacket coat, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I mean the, the whole kind of industry is built off like the, the, the notion of a jacket quote itself is somebody saying read this book yep. um, and I think most book sales come from somebody's friend saying read this book mm-hmm. um, so if someone at you know Penguin has said this is great but it's not for us um, yeah, 
include it, there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm getting from you then <laughs> is try it anyways. There's no... It, 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 it's got to be literary fiction. Well, it's got to be fiction. It's got to be have some literary element. So would you say you're not keen on any kind of genre-y stuff? No, we publish, um, we publish genre. Um, we've got some genre books coming out mm-hmm. this year. We've got um, Sealed by Naomi Booth, which is kind of sci-fi-ish mm-hmm. horror. Uh, sort of post-apocalyptic-ish. Okay. Not really, but ish. Talking my language. Um, we've got Gary Budden, who's this oh, I know him. folk horror. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I didn't realise you're doing your... Lavish Punk. Punk. Ah, mm. that's not a debut, is it? He's written. He's it's his debut book. Is it? book. Oh, he's been published kind of widely in things and stuff, but it's his right. debut book. Right. Um, and we've got an, a, a collaborative novel from Jen Ashworth and Richard Hurst, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's just a straight horror. Yeah. Um, They're coming on this podcast to talk about that. This really? is I, there's I have it, this podcast could almost be called the Dead Ink Podcast, annoyingly. <laughs> Because uh, there's so many of your others that have, that are on, that have been on or are coming on. Yeah, yeah. So who's been on? I, I listened to most of it. I'm not telling you. No, no, no. There's only been one that's been on. Right, but, but there's, there's more coming. Yeah. Will you tell me when the microphone's off? No. What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fine. I'll. I be. They're, they're not confirmed. Is the okay. is the problem? I'll confirm. No. See, I. I, I will get yeah. on. And <laughs> you're going on. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anyway, quick subject change. Uh, I don't think I answered any of those questions. No, you didn't. Um, and uh, this is the thing with independent publishers that I found, because I've interviewed a few now, and they all say the same thing. We don't know what we want. It just has to be good. I think Basically. that's part of... I think that's the charm of an indie. Yeah. And the, the, the published things that aren't published. Yeah. I mean, some... So, uh, Harry Gallon's book, The Shapes of Dog's mm-hmm. Eyes, I don't think that would have found any commercial publisher, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a wild book that kind of... Um, I, I, I think it's brilliant but it doesn't there's no kind of direct angle to sell that I don't think um, it doesn't conform to any genre there's nothing you can say directly that it's about other than kind of it's it's kind of general themes mm. um, which are all kind of vague in themselves mm-hmm. and it's about sort of vagaries uh, and malaise um, but then also we I, I kind of believe in that book and now his next book is kind of uh, Every fox is a rabid fox. It's fantastic, uh, and I can't, I can't. That's coming out uh, later this year. See, you've already, you're lying again. Why? That's not his debut novel either. No, but we published his <laughs> debut, and now we, we can't I'm kick these messing. people out. I, I, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we published your first one. Now, fuck off. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, um, and also Good. that'd be a really bad business. It decision. would be <laughs> just totally to invest stupid. everything into the yeah. the first book when no one knows who they are. Mm. Um, so what is? The, sorry, I interrupted you with a terrible joke. What is that book about? Which the fox one? Um, it is about um, a a young man who, on the way to his uncle's funeral, crashes the car and kills his brother. And has to deal with the grief, um, and through dealing with the grief, the whole thing is flashbacks to being raised with his brother, and the kind of their relationship with their uncle and their own father, and it's overall about kind of toxic masculinity and kind of bad, um, bad emotions being passed down the generations, mm. and that kind of. Materializing in kind of 
toxic male relationships. Gosh. Um, and sort of male suicide. Wow. It's a it's a heavy, heavy. book, and it is. Um, yeah, I finished reading it and just didn't know. One of those things that just I felt winded. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's an amazing book. Yeah. Um, and we'll be releasing that um, in the summer. Ah. Um, we'll be crowdfunding for that in next month in March mm-hmm. or this month. This month. Mm. This month. Whenever this... What are we? It, it, yeah, oh, that's right. This will be... Yeah, it'll be March when this comes March. out. So you can go onto our site and, yeah. and, and order it along with S.J. Bradley's book, Guest, mm-hmm. and um, Sophie Hopesmith's book. Are those the first three, then? They're the you? first three. Okay. Um, Have you, do you know all 12 that you're doing? Yes. Oh, you, so you've got them all... We've got right the year planned out, um, mm-hmm. and then... So, yeah, the year is kind of booked up until... Um, and then I've got to in a couple of months start thinking about books to sign for next year I guess brilliant what's the weirdest book that's coming out this year um would that be offensive to your well, well I, I don't want to say weirdest we've got the most out there some, we have a good one which is um we have um the unauthorized biography of Ezra Mass <laughs> which is a book written as a biography of a fictional person um, <laughs> written by a character who is the author oh my god um, okay as the biography is about this person who is a a, an, a famous artist who disappeared I think in the 50s from memory um, mm-hmm. and it's about the 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 biography kind of covers the main character who is also the author um, <laughs> kind of getting wow. embroiled in the kind of sinister um kind of cultish world of I think no they disappeared in kind of the 70s I think of sort of um, you're mixing two books 70s <laughs> avant-garde kind of wow cultism um, I want to read that one yeah it's um, it. I think that is kind of the the most out there in terms of how it's put that together that sounds brilliant actually um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think that's kind of got a, a commercial appeal. I Do think. you really think? Like, see, cause I, I, I think that's the, that's the perfect example of what in independent publishers should publish, because I, I can't, I could never see like a Penguin or something publishing hmm. something like that. Yeah, well, I, I think they that kind of book only gets picked up by a big publisher once every while. It happens, but mm-hmm. it's, it's rare. Yeah. Um, but there are writers writing that stuff all the time, and I think they do need. And there are people reading it as well, mm-hmm. um, and I think, yeah, it deserves to be published. Yeah, um, well, it sounds cool. Yeah, Have cool. you? Um, I'm going to ask you about this Guardian article that came out. Uh, was it Guardian? I think it was. It was basically saying that the big publishers are kind of looking at small people who get published by small independent publishers and seeing that as a breeding ground, basically, a testing ground. Uh, have you read this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going. In fact, you may have been commented on. It. I can't remember. If they've been. Uh, there's been a few. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> do you think that that is a good model for a start? Do you think it's? Do you think that's what that is? What's happening? Are you happy about it? Um, I think it's good and bad. Mm. Yeah. So I'll come. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. that. <laughs> I think it's obviously kind of one of our authors got picked up and was published by. You know, so so. Um, uh, so say that they were John Murray published mm-hmm. the Loney sure. republished that after was it Tartarus that published that in mm. first as kind of a high quality edition, um, and then it went on to be 
a huge success. Um, that would be good for us, I guess. If, if maybe it was their second novel, or we still retained some rights or something, and we could, or we got paid some sort of royalty. On it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of success, I imagine, is hard for an indie to hit, and I don't know many that do. Uh, maybe some of the mid, sort of more midlist ones, although mm-hmm. you know and. Grants or Bloomsbury, which are technically independent. <laughs> or then you've got the likes of, of One World, um, who've had you know two Booker wins now. Yeah. Um, so yes, but at the same time, we I don't want to be doing all this work for someone else to go and kind of take all the yeah. reward for. Well, it. I could see like if you if you published a novel from a and then the second one was done by a big publisher and that one went crazy people would buy the first one that's kind of yeah that's what you would hope Mm. Um, but at the same time I think maybe the industry might be changing we'll get indies again a lot more recognition now and um, there are certain people have been leading that um, and I think we are kind of you know the idea just a couple of years ago that someone our size would be getting Reference in the bookseller and the Guardian, and mm-hmm. to comment on things is kind of never would have imagined it. Except yeah. now it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, and now and we kind of we are taken seriously. We've just signed our first book from um, from an agent from Curtis Brown. So, mm-hmm. so you, even they are kind of coming to him and stuff. Yeah, I mean, and even an agent who is typically kind of you would think they are kind of commercially minded, they're still approaching us because they can see value in independence. And mm-hmm. can see that um, maybe the kind of market and industry is changing. What is the value in independence? Like, what, why would why would someone go to like go to an indie over a? a um, I think if, we're more willing to take risks, which we've kind of already covered. Yep. Um, and I think we are. I think with some types of fiction, um, and perhaps non-fiction too, you you have to kind of be looking more long-term in terms of someone's career. Uh, than kind of just the big deal that's in front of someone um, and that maybe independence can offer a way into that and um, we're doing a lot of things now part of our funding is to provide um, we're having what's called an author boot camp when we start the uh, when we start the activity so in, in March uh, we're getting all the authors to Liverpool we've got a room out over a weekend and everyone is we've got these training sessions mm. about um about how they can, you know, with professionals, about how they can represent themselves online, um, build themselves into a brand that they can market beyond what we are. Yep. Um, we've got workshops for them on kind of public reading and how they can address an audience. So, you know, when they go to do their kind of book launch, they're not staring at the floor and mumbling. They can mm-hmm. project. Yeah, confidently project. Yeah. Um, so all of these, and kind of just other ones in kind of we've got workshops in um, just understanding the book trade a lot of authors we get kind of don't fully because they've never had a reason to understand the book trade but I mm-hmm. think as soon as you do understand how it works behind the scenes you can start to be a lot smarter with how you approach your marketing and mm-hmm. uh, promote yourself um, and you know workshops in, in book publicity um, so we're not just there for even though the Arts Council is funding that that's something which is kind of setting the author up or it doesn't matter if we never even publish their book they've got those skills and they can start to think about themselves as an mm-hmm. artist who is going to make a living from their yeah their art form can you get do you get uh, this might be a stupid question but 
their books into bookshops. Yes, yeah. yeah. We have a, we're a real publisher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I knew it was, see, I did, I did preface that by saying it's a stupid question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are. We have a distributor and we yeah. have sales uh, reps. Um, Do you have to fight for, like, uh, position and stuff like that? Because um, when you go to Waterstones, you know, they've got the tables at the front. We've never been offered a table. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> well, you see who's on them and you think, well, well yeah. They're getting a lot of money from but these publishers, have, aren't they? Um, we do have a dialogue with them and our, our reps kind of approach them and, and mm-hmm. speak to them and we do um, we do discuss things with them and their buyers and kind of have maybe disagreements and agreements <laughs> and they um, we base decisions on what certain key members of the book selling mm. industry might say. Yep. Um, and for the most part they do get behind us uh, particularly when uh, so with with Harry Gallon's first book the London Waterstones all got really behind his book mm. um, he is it's a book about London um, and I think every every Waterstones in London was carrying copies mm. um, and there's nothing we had to really do with that I mean I think a lot of people in the book industry started mm. off as booksellers I mean I had a time as a bookseller mm-hmm. um, and I think they're kind of still probably the most important people in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get a single bookseller behind you in a bookshop, um, like that has an impact. It, it changes kind of the sales figures. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we we don't fight for space, but we kind of maybe try and uh, woo their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great. Which, which nice, nice copy, nice editions help yeah. with nice yeah. covers. Yeah, I was going to say, because they're hardbacks. Yeah. You know, bookshops well, like those, don't they? I think they do, but they also don't like the price points. Oh, yeah, them. of course. Um, so there's a dialogue about mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. that's why we are releasing them both simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally a publisher will release the hardback, and then a while further on they'll release the the, mm-hmm. uh, the paperback we're just releasing both at the same time mm. is it kind of a trial or is it uh, that's your model well, yeah, now well if it's say, say no one buys the hardbacks yeah, yeah it's the proposed model yeah um, if it doesn't work we'll scrap it mm-hmm. but um, the idea is that we're selling to people through this crowdfunding on our website and there are people who might be more interested and are going to maybe want the hardback mm-hmm. um, and bookstores can push the hardback if they want but also they have open to them the paperback edition, mm-hmm. um, which they can sell at a lower price. Um, but we also have this hardback, which will be you know limited in number and um, kind of yeah, a collector's item when they go on to become a really famous. Well, successful I, I know that's the one I would buy. Yeah, no, I think I would, and I think most of the. De- I mean, that's what's kind of hard. Most of the decisions we kind of make, kind of I first take thinking of myself as a customer mm. and yep. think maybe not every customer is a kind of book fetishist like I am I, I know me too it's <laughs> disgusting so maybe the the split split model uh, kind of addresses that you can be a book fetishist and get that and you can also get a cheaper book and, mm-hmm. and uh, take a chance on us which I think you maybe need to do sometimes with yeah, us definitely I'm going to ask you one more question um, and it's just one of my favourite questions basically to ask people who are based in the north uh, why don't why I've already asked about why Liverpool, but why not London? Because it's very <laughs> London-centric, isn't it? Um, yes, and I, I, the industry is um, sort of appallingly so. 
but um, not by not by any sinister decision, just by kind of logistics. And I think it's mm-hmm. now starting to open up um, as indies get more respected. Mm-hmm. As uh, you know, we, we've launched this Northern Fiction Alliance with Comer and, and other stories and PayPal and. Um, in fact, we've we've kind of doubled in size. There's there's all kind of this blue moose and saraband, and tilted access. Mm-hmm. There'll be more. Uh, I've missed <laughs> someone. Um, and I think now you can get um, get more respected, get more attention, and get taken seriously when you're based in the north, mm. um, which was probably a problem for a while. But then, I think this month we're halfway through the month, and I've been to London three times already. Yeah, um, which is kind of a drain, and it does get annoying. Yeah. Um, but then I do love London um, and it's it a is great good. city I, um, and I try to get people to, to badmouth it because it's good for the podcast but it, it is great London. it is great but um, but at the same time there's there's a lot of issues about publishing being based in London and the, part of the reason I set up Dead Inc or what I originally set up uh, before Dead Inc I just couldn't get a job in London and everyone was telling me oh you've got to go and do an, an unpaid internship mm-hmm. um, and that was never an option that was kind of open to me um, and I think I mentioned in one interview it was it was literally easier for me to set up my own press yeah. than uh, to just move to London without a job and, well, it's impossible. and photocopy papers for someone yeah. um, and that's a problem and I'm not from kind of a privileged background. Yeah, I'm not from a privileged background, not a trust but I'm not fund from either. a. Uh, yeah. I'm not from the most hard up background either. So mm-hmm. the amount of people being kept out of the industry by a reliance on unpaid internships and a reliance on the industry being based in London um, is a huge problem, and I think mm-hmm. it's only just been starting to be addressed. And I think indies offer an opportunity to address that, but most of them at the moment aren't big enough to be able to take on, on staff mm-hmm. um, so the more we support industries the more we can indies the more we kind mm-hmm. of support a diverse industry which I think will improve the books um, that we see on shelves just because different people will be commissioning them and mm-hmm. we do need different people commissioning them because I think the industry is very um, I don't want to start because I, mm-hmm. everyone I meet in publishing is very lovely and I like them and they've yeah. always helped me and been very yeah. kind but I think we need to look at this kind of the, the system of publishing and, and how people are fed into it mm-hmm. and um, if we can be more diverse with how the companies are run and where they are run we might start seeing some of the more systemic issues with the diverse people in there being addressed mm-hmm. um, in terms of kind of long term their long term development and I hope that would mean better books and I think it would mean better books Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it would mean it would have yeah I think we've a a few people on your podcast have mentioned this Know Your Place Mm -hmm. uh, anthology about working class (laughs) fiction I don't know if you were going to come to that (laughs) Um, I wasn't sure if it was still going I thought it was over it is well basically it had to be kind of put on hold because we got this funding and we're like Mm -hmm. oh shit we need to kind of Put everything in place mm-hmm. that all this money we've got to yep. kind of yeah working class writers uh, that's come up on the podcast yeah uh, many times um, basically for the the reason that the only people that can afford to do paid intern or unpaid internships in London are people who don't need the money yes and so the, the, the knock-on effect is that 
once they get up into positions of responsibility, then it's flooded with yeah. trust fund babies. Yeah, and also writers themselves are increasing. I don't know if increasingly, but there's a, a lot of middle class fiction, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think there's much. We're also at a point with the country politically where I think ideas of class are very important again. Weirdly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of perversely, I think I think there's quite a few narratives going on which aren't all correct, and I think a lot of people are trying to speak for the working class who have no right to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of partially what this book is going to address. Not literally, because I didn't want it to be a book mm-hmm. about... I don't even want to say it. <laughs> I'll just be rather penanga. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I, the book isn't going to be about immediate political concerns. The book is about kind of... Maybe we'll come to that later, but the book is about um, issues of being a member of, a member of a class and being kind of um, regarded as part of it and mm-hmm. or not um, as some of the essays will cover as well um, so it, it's a collection of essays then yeah it's a collection of essays um, it's know your place um, essays on the working class by the working class mm-hmm. um, so all of them are by writers who identify themselves as working class mm-hmm. or from a working class background um, and yeah even just kind of saying that I can think of arguments I've already had with people kind of defining this and what working class is and I've been quite vague and loose with it Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's important well it has to be you can't you can't nail down what it means I've tried uh, and every time you try it just makes no sense yeah and I think you you can't you just create because if you know if your father's a plumber does that mean you're working class and I think you create automatically sort of a closed loop if you define it too mm-hmm. easily, so working class people who haven't been uh, people who haven't been to university. Yeah. Well, then, well, what if someone who, yeah, educates mm-hmm. themselves out of the working class, do they lose that? And I think there's something dangerous saying that they do. Well, my dad sells cars, and yet I eat smoked tofu on a regular basis. <laughs> so I can't just I can't I don't know. What, I don't think I, I think it's it's a very it does feel like a really English thing. identifying about class because I think in North America especially we no one would self-identify as working class I don't think they wouldn't say I'm you know there's no I don't think there's any um, there's no pride in it you you know it's the American dream isn't it it's like oh I I, maybe I'm here now but you don't have pride in sort of blue collar white collar kind of distinctions I I don't think I don't know I'm not sure people do I don't think I think people like the blue collar white collar thing is makes it a lot more obvious but I think the people who are would be who would be called blue collar workers would be called by other people. I don't think someone would say, "Oh, I'm you know, mm. I'm a working class." Even if they worked in a in a, a plant or something yeah. like it, it just or an assembly line, you just wouldn't. I don't know. I think in the it's UK, odd. it's it's something which for a while was maybe sort of thought of as something that had gone or mm-hmm. passed, and yeah. now people seem shocked. Yeah. That, um, people still feel themselves sort of subject to it mm-hmm. and um, yeah and I think if you're shocked by that if you're shocked that the class is still an issue then mm. um, you're not working class you're not working class <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there we go yeah. I think that we've got it we figured yeah. it out <laughs> um, 
it's yeah I don't, I, it's probably too much to go into now but I mean yeah. I, I know it's something that you um, has been brought up a, a yeah. lot on the podcast yeah um, yeah so we're not going to solve it but I do enjoy the conversation about it um, but anyway thank you very much for coming on Nathan that's alright alright